0: Well, I want to welcome all of you to the Montana DSA podcast. Um, The Montana Democratic Socialists of America have uh, carried on a podcast series since early January during the 2023 Montana Legislature. Uh, DSA itself, uh, if you're not familiar with us, is Democratic Socialists of America, founded in 1982. We have chapters in Billings, Bozeman, Helena, and Western Montana. Democratic Socialism is not what the Montana Uh, The Republican Party keeps saying in its daily emails that we're the radical left dictatorship on on its way. We are a group that has always believed in having a society and an economics and political system which is democratically controlled, Uh, not for the wealth of a few, but for basically guaranteeing all the human needs and the needs of our environment are met in a democratic way. So with that little introduction, I just wanna say this is our 18th broadcast. Our 17th was just will be published very soon. It was with Sam Forstag of the Montana Coalition to Solve Homelessness. We've had 16 other guests, members of the legislature, members of DSA from across the state people who are involved in environmental issues, uh, labor issues, um, tenants' rights issues, affordable housing. And today, our guest, uh, it's our pleasure to have Carrie Kimball, who is the executive director of MEIC. MEIC is the Montana Environmental Information Center, founded back in 1973. So MEIC is about to celebrate its 50th um, anniversary I remember when MEIC was founded. If you, I mean, so I must be kind of old, but I do remember uh, living next door to Robin Tawney, who was one of the uh, founders of that group back in 1972 and 1973. When when she worked with others to found MEIC, so I've been a fan of MEIC for a long, long time. Carrie Kimball is the current uh, executive director. She joined. The Montana Environmental Information Center in 2018 as Development Director, and then began in her role as Executive Director in at the beginning of 2021. She brings a lot of ex- experience with various nonprofits to the to the work at MEIC, and uh, has been you know heading up along with a great team of, of people from MEIC, following things in the current legislature. She holds an environmental science, uh, environmental studies degree from Linfield College and an MS from the University of Montana, where she also earned not just an environmental studies, but uh, a certificate in natural resources conflict resolution, which uh, of course the conflict resolution is a good skill to have in this legislature. Too bad the, uh, some of the folks have n- no training in that area. So I want to thank Carrie for being here after a couple of jokes here. Uh, on my part, uh, and have her tell us a little bit more that she'd like to tell us about MEIC and about herself and about what's happening in the uh, 2023 legislature this weekend and, uh, and during the past uh, 16 weeks.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much, Frank. It's just lovely to be here having this conversation with you and honored and delighted to be interviewed and to tell you a little bit about what MEIC has cooking up. Um, So, as you mentioned, MEIC was founded in 1973, and we are very excited to be celebrating our 50th year of existence. Um, We are a 501c3 nonpartisan nonprofit, and... Uh, As you mentioned, Robin Tani and some other very visionary folks in 73 formed MEIC, in large part to do what we're doing right now, which is lobbying the state legislature. Um, And, you know, I think it's also interesting to think about You know, 73 being the year after the Constitutional Convention, where Montanans gained the right to a clean and healthful environment, which is such a beautiful and unique thing that we have here in Montana. And also, it's not enough to have those words in our Constitution, we also have to make sure that those that right to a clean and healthful environment, that right to know and participate, that those things are lived out in our daily lives on the ground. So, um, yeah, so MEIC has been really trying to make that right to a clean and healthful environment an actualized statement here in Montana for about 50 years. Um, So, Starting there, um, yeah, and so NEIC, a lot of what we do is centered on pollution issues. And this can, for us, can be pretty broadly interpreted. Um, Probably the majority of our programmatic work is focused on pollution related to greenhouse gases and what those are doing to the climate. across the planet but also you know understanding how those climate change impacts are showing up in the lives of montanans uh, day in and day out i am here in helena like you are and a couple years ago we had a terrible wildfire season i don't know if you remember that but um yeah we were just so cooped up and it was that realization that in the face of climate change that's going to be more and more the case uh we're going to see drier, hotter summers, um, precipitation coming at kind of different times than what it historically came as. And that's going to have huge impacts to Montanans. Um, additionally, Montana is, you know, we have the largest coal reserves of any state in the US. And we are also ranked top one or two with our potential for wind development. So we have this potential to play a really important role in decarbonizing um, the whole country if we can, you know, direct our attention toward that, uh, that renewable, clean energy future. Uh, so you know, of-
0: uh, you know, I was just going to say, uh, picking up on what you said about uh, the current efforts, uh, I know that in the past, MEIC has had lots of victories legal and organizational victories uh, related to the issues of protecting our environment. I wonder if you, you know, might wanna highlight some of those. If people want to go to the MEIC website, you can see that um, both in their newsletters and others, uh, there's sections on the many victories that MEIC has had over the years. So I wonder if you wanna maybe uh, highlight some of those as preparatory to talking about what MEIC is doing in the current legislature.
1: Sure. So, you know, MEIC is uh, advancing legal challenges against every major coal mine expansion in the state of Montana. Um, And we've had, you know, just in the last year, a couple of important victories um, in that realm, uh, basically challenging the DEQ decisions to grant permits to coal mine expansions um at the rosebud mine for example which is the coal mine that feeds the coal strip power plant uh which is montana's largest greenhouse gas emitter by far like more than the next top 10 greenhouse gas emitters combined so um yeah we uh so that has been some important legal advances in terms of preventing coal mine expansions um the Coal Strip Coal Fire Power Plant used to consist of four generating units. Um, and two of those units actually closed in 2020 as a result of both economic pressure because coal is very expensive and very dirty, but also because of legal work and legal challenges to air pollution violations that the those two units were um, emitting. So, Um, Yeah, we have, we're really proud of that work to try to stop coal from continuing to be, you know, such a big impact here in Montana. Um, And we really do take a cradle to grave approach to trying to prevent those fossil fuels from being extracted. So we've had some really awesome uh, work that was successful in preventing oil and gas leasing on federal land all over Montana on you know hundreds of thousands of acres just in the last couple of years as well um and you know speaking back to the state constitution meic does a lot of work in the climate action zone but we're also really interested in hard rock mining impacts acid mine drainage and that long history that we have here in montana of, of hard rock mining impacts so um one of our really important cases that really established our right to a clean and healthful environment as being um, preemptive, meaning you don't have to have dead fish on the water in order for that right to be um, upheld was in in protecting the Blackfoot River here in Montana against the 7up peat mine. Um, And so as we're heading through this legislative session, a lot of what we're thinking about is what sort of Laws are going to be on the books at the end of this session that are going to protect the environment, whether or not they're in alignment with our constitutional right to a clean and healthful environment. Um, and you know, the held V Montana case is coming up later this summer. and some of the basic legal underpinnings of that argument are going to be based on our our win against the seven up peat mine that would have impacted the Blackfoot River. So super proud of that history and the tall shoulders of the giants we're standing on today and um, all the benefits that we're experiencing because of that legacy of work.
0: Well, thank you for reviewing some of those things. And of course, there is really much more that NEIC has been doing, but there are lots of challenges to that whole legacy and to the Montana Constitution's uh, protection for a clean and healthy environment. In this current legislature, and I know that there's a a hearing, another hearing on a very destructive bill, HB 971. I might wonder if you could tell us a little bit about why that is considered probably the worst environmental bill in this legislature. In this legislature,
1: so. Honestly, Frank, I rely really heavily on the four lobbyists who MEIC has up at the Capitol who are in there day in and day out and have more policy expertise than I do. Um, but 971, we're really trying to focus a lot of energy in, toward killing that bill in particular and um, and it is kind of similar to a number of different bills that have been introduced that are kind of coming after uh, the Montana Environmental Policy Act, which is you know one of the ways that we ensure that the public has a right to participate, the public has a right to know when there are agency decisions that are gonna impact our environment. Um, and we're seeing a lot of attacks on that Montana Environmental Policy Act which you know, in addition to giving us these opportunities to comment on decisions, to know about decisions, um, it also has the potential to prevent us from bringing litigation when we see the state government failing to uphold the law. Uh, so basically, if it's a situation where, I don't know, for example, Northwestern Energy has a proposed gas plant that they're building right next to the Yellowstone River, uh, near Laurel. And we've been working with community members who are going to be impacted, you know, their ability to have a business on their property, um, their concerns about the <clears throat> emissions that are going to come from the plant, the noise, the light pollution. And uh, we successfully challenged some of the permits that were granted to that plant that kind of were allowing Northwestern Energy to continue with its construction. And basically the reason we were successful there is because the state government should have done a better job reviewing the impacts and mitigating those impacts. And so it's in those moments we rely on the court system to help us enforce the law when we see state government failing to enforce it. Um, And 971, uh, and along with a number of other of these bills were basically um, proposed or introduced uh, somewhat in response to seeing, you know, environmentalists and community members who were going to be impacted um, having success in preventing damaging, destructive projects like like that gas plant.
0: It seems um, that a lot of, no, go ahead, Carrie.
1: Uh, so there is, so you know, today is Tuesday, April 25th. There's going to be a um, committee hearing regarding 971 tomorrow. So I don't know when the podcast will be up. But uh, if people go to our website, you can take action from there uh, to contact um, the legislators who might be making a decision about the bill or perhaps eventually asking the governor for a veto.
0: I can't tell you exactly how soon we'll be able to get the podcast up, but um, as our listeners may know, uh, MEIC puts out regular, uh, very informative uh, uh, news alerts. uh, And in those news alerts from MEIC, they're always very easily easy to follow and easy to use links to make testimony um, concerning the bills that uh, MEIC is, is. he's giving us alerts on. I just learned that our podcast, this podcast will be up today. Um, Our producer, Marshall Mayer, uh, you don't see on screen here, but uh, is the one who had the idea for this podcast series originally and asked me to be the interviewer for it. Uh, We'll be putting it up today. Uh, So we should uh, at least get uh, some people who are listening to the podcast to be able to know that that hearing for 971, hospital 971, is uh, is tomorrow, uh, and, and they need to take action as soon as possible to get their legislators to uh, uh, defeat that bill.
1: That would be great, and I think you know if I can also just talk a little bit more about some of the themes that 971 is illustrative of. Um, We've actually had a couple of committee hearings on this particular bill, and we've had situations where the hearing wasn't announced until the evening before, and the hearing would be at 8 a.m. the following morning, um, which makes it really hard for the public to participate and show up at that hearing to testify. Um, And then we've had a couple of instances where people did show up to testify in opposition. Some people having driven from as far as billings to be here in Helena to testify. Some people waiting online for two hours, waiting to testify. And we've seen consistently leadership at these committees preventing Montanans from speaking up about these bills that are gonna harm them and their communities. Um, and And so first of all, that's happening. And as you know, yesterday, we saw, you know, more activity where a particular trans uh, gender legislator is also being silenced. And seeing the um, frustration that Montanans have with, again, having these voices silenced, um, especially on topics where they have particularly valid and valuable insight. Um yeah, just just uh, the theme that em- emerges there is upsetting and frustrating. And um yeah, it's uh it's an ongoing problem that we're seeing, and it just pops up in so many different ways. Um, and the impacts are going to be really widely felt.
0: Yes, it does pop up, and I did see in the email that came out from MEIC or, or rather uh, um a Twitter, a tweet. Came out from MEIC today that uh, MEIC was expressing uh, uh, frustration and and support for Representative Zoe Zephyr, who is the uh, person that we're talking about here, who has been uh, silenced by uh, the uh, dictatorial leader of uh, the, of the House. And just should mention that uh, we are going to be interviewing Representative Zoe Zephyr. Um, Friday for a pod- podcast and so unfortunately uh, that issue of her silencing is uh, is just one is probably the most egregious uh, act of, of the Republicans uh, running a dictatorship in the uh, legislature this year by um, you know, scheduling hearings on, on the dates where hardly anybody can even hear, know that there's going to be a hearing or not allowing people to speak or giving them, you know, two minutes after they've traveled for eight hours to get here, it's um, it's uh, yeah. very distressing.
1: And, you know, building on that idea, rollbacks of MEPA are gonna make it harder for this, the people of Montana to make their voices heard during environmental decision-making as well. So we're seeing it at every step of the way is removal of people from the process, um, and from having their opportunity to make their voices heard and to try to influence their government. So it's a it's an anti democratic situation in in so many levels.
0: Well, what other kinds of things do you want to mention maybe about the legislature that you think we maybe ought to know uh, to worry about or to get involved in.
1: Yeah, so. Um, again, I'll really encourage people to go to MEIC's website and the Action Center that you mentioned. Um, our staff, both our, you know, policy lobbyists and our communications and engagement folks work really hard to keep that website updated because toward the end of the session, things are moving really fast. So. Um, Some of the other things that we're really concerned about, and people can go to our website and take action, are some bills that are being uh, pushed through that would weaken coal mining regulations. Um, You know, coal mining has a lot of impacts, both immediately to waterways and groundwater where it's happening, and also to the climate, obviously. Um, And we're seeing some legislation proposed that would, you know, prevent us from trying to push back against the impacts that coal mining can have in the state. So we'd love help, you know, contacting legislators and asking for veto on, on those coal mining bills. Um, we're also seeing a tax on, you know, the other work that's happening across the state to decarbonize our economy. So we're seeing a lot of taxis that are tra- taxes that are being levied against electric vehicles. Uh, In a time when we should really be encouraging their adoption and kind of making that easier for folks we're seeing some some of the biggest some taxes that would make it so it's. um, You know the taxes on an electric vehicle would be more than the gas tax that someone would spend on a, a standard vehicle so we're concerned about that um. MEIC also created a staff position in 2022 because we were seeing a lot of attacks on planning and zoning in the state of Montana. And I think that this is an issue that comes up a lot when we're talking about affordable housing, because um, whether or not we have walkable, bikeable cities, whether or not we have um, new construction that can be less reliant on methane gas. So much of that has to do with the way we build our cities and the planning and zoning that sets us up for success there. Um, And we are experiencing an affordability crunch in Montana. So I think that there have been some, some actors who are using that affordability argument to just unravel any sort of environmental protection Um, which frankly is not going to lead to more affordable housing. It's going to lead to very expensive McMansions out in the hinterlands. You know, it's going to lead to sprawl and sprawl is bad for the climate, bad for traffic, um, bad for our waterways if it's a bunch of septic systems that aren't being you know fully vetted so basically we're really concerned about the environmental impacts that we're going to see as a result of rolling back our planning and zoning measures in the state um as opposed to doing proactive thoughtful planning and zoning that could help us have you know more livable greener communities Um, yeah, those are, are some of the big ones. I'm happy to say that we were able to kill some pretty bad bills related to um, levying huge taxes on renewable projects in the state and trying to make rooftop rooftop solar less affordable for people. So we've had some successes along the way, but um, yeah, there's still a lot to do. So if folks wanna sign up for our email alerts, like you mentioned, or check out, you know, some of the actions on our website. Uh, They can learn more there.
0: And Of course, your website is very easy to find, www.meic.org. And then you can go from there to, or or go to MEIC on Facebook. You can get all these links uh, that we've been mentioning. One thing I wanted to ask you, um, uh, Carrie, is uh, how these, Challenges to the Montana Constitution and its right uh, to have citizens involved and to be protected for with the clean and and healthy environment. Uh, In lots of cases uh, over Mm -hmm. the last several legislative sessions, out of state interests, uh, corporate interests have uh, been writing bills for legislators uh, to, you know, gut various kinds of protections, whether Mm -hmm. it would be our protections. to uh, to to vote or to uh, have uh, women's rights protected or the rights of transgenders, transgender persons protected. Um, what's your perception of what's behind this uh, this movement in by the Montana Republicans to attack so many things that are crucial to uh, uh, a d- democratic uh, uh, government here in Montana and citizen participation, and also uh, tax on on these uh, things that are enshrined in in our Montana Constitution, which is probably the most progressive constitution in terms of its rights uh, of the people and and the right to a, a clean and healthy environment, as well as you know privacy rights, which are the basis for uh, the nineteen ninety nine decision by Judge Jim Nelson, who was a uh, uh, podcast uh, guest of ours uh, about a month ago what is is it are there who's behind all these people uh, who are putting these ideas forth either out of ignorance or are they just simply following the line of uh, uh, corporate uh, masters
1: Hmm. yeah so I mean speaking to victories it's also a nice little shout out to our work and to you know listeners of your podcast and other people all across the state of Montana who spoke up and it seems like we are not as we feared going to have um, roll you know attacks on our constitution on the ballot this fall which is something that we were really worried about with the super majority of republicans um, we were very concerned about some referenda that would have uh, maybe altered our clean and healthful environment, right, to clean, healthful, and profitable, or clean, healthful, and economically productive uh, environment, which, uh, yeah, so that that has not come to pass, which we're happy to see. Um, and, you know, to your point that corporate interests are very present at the Capitol, and Advocating for the you know shareholders and people who will make most profit from those corporations, um, yeah, that is one of the reasons. Of course, that MEIC is up there with four lobbyists during the session is because um, those corporate interests are very well represented and very influential. Um, and so, ensuring that Montanans and Montanans who care about the environment are well represented is very very important um you know as far as who is writing the legislative proposals that are being introduced you know there are definitely a lot of um influential corporations that have their fingerprints all over these and um often when we're up there testifying in opposition to a bill like 971 there will only be a handful of proponents speaking and those will be lobbyists from, you know, coal industry, corporations, and um, some of those other big players. And also, you know, sometimes labor will come in, um, in support of some of these bills, which is interesting. And I know that as a um, someone who's involved with DSA, and, you know, we obviously support labor and unions and want them to thrive. And also, um, that's been a sticky wicket is that they're often promoting industry kind of moves that are less, less beneficial for the environment. So that's a, something that's interesting to track too.
0: Yes, in lots of cases, uh, you find um, that there are very progressive unions, unions um, that are um, Workers' rights unions, not right to work unions. Right to work is a is a is something that uses a term that maybe maybe people aren't familiar with, but it's basically a proposal to cut back on union unionization and union rights. And so um, unions are uh, you know, emerging right now as as a battleground for a lot of these same issues that we're talking about here. There are people who care about the environment in the union movement, and there are those who are still part of the, what's called the business union uh, sort of segment of the union movement, which is uh, dominated by by the owners. Hmm. And within democratic socialism, um, that's, that's a big problem, because um, there are so many corporate factors that attempt to destroy the rights of workers. Uh, We in Montana DSA are gearing up to, uh, along the lines of your discussion about unions to support the United Postal, United Parcel Service Mm -hmm. union workers. We're gearing up probably for, probably one of the biggest strikes uh, in a long time. Um, And uh, if anyone wants to go to find out more about that, you can go to the Western Montana DSA uh, website. And you'll find uh, links to the get ready for the strike in support of the uh, United Parcel uh, Service workers who are uh, again challenged very deeply by uh, these corporate people who are making billions and billions of dollars off of their labor, but won't budge one inch towards the rights of workers. and so. It's distressing to see that some labor folks are, are working against some of the issues that MEIC has, but it's, it's understandable, given the, the power of corporate people over the workers. And and you can read almost any day that Amazon or someone else's or Starbucks are attacking their workers for trying to organize. So it's, it's a hopeful sign that uh, so many good things are happening, including... All of these uh, constitutional amendments going down in flames. That yeah. is a really happy sign because. that's a
1: happy sign. And I do want to say that, like, you know, my quarrel is never with the workers, you know, whether it's the Northwestern Energy linemen who are doing a fantastic job or the people who are keeping the lights on. Um, and MEIC will always be advocating for, as we're transitioning to a renewable energy economy, for um, for pensions of these folks to be fully funded, uh, for the the bad mistakes that Northwestern Energy or other coal companies are making, that the shareholders and executives are the ones who bear the economic burden for the bad decisions that are being made and the reliance on fossil fuels, um, for retraining and for full mitigation and cleanup, which can also provide good-paying jobs that will Uh, support communities as they move to the next stage of our energy transition. Um, Yeah, I just want to shout out to the people who are, you know, stand to be impacted and certainly deserve to have their voices heard and to be supported as we transition to a clean energy economy.
0: And one of the groups that is, uh, of course, needing support is the group of young Montanans who were part of that held versus Montana lawsuit. I wonder if you might wanna say a little bit more about that. I know here in Helena tonight at the library, a couple of the attorneys who are representing the youth are going to be outlining some of the issues in that case. But but for our listeners might not know very much about Held versus Montana and those those young people who were uh, bringing this lawsuit. Um, What would you say about the Held versus Montana lawsuit and those young people?
1: Um, Well, first of all, I wish I'd had my head on as straight and been as active and motivated as these young folks are when I was in high school or middle school, because they are fantastic and courageous and um, super proud and inspired by everything that they're doing. Um, and also, MEIC is really on the periphery. You know, we're not the ones who are litigating this specific case. So I'll try to tune in this evening to hear more directly from the attorneys who are going to be arguing that case. I mean, my understanding at the most basic level is that in Montana, we have a right to a clean and healthful environment. Shouldn't that encompass a livable climate? Um, and is the state of Montana uh, denying young folks a right to a clean and healthful environment by not defending our climate at, at the most basic level. Um, and, you know, I mean, I see is very much in belief that that is the case, that uh, we do have a right to a clean and healthful environment that includes the climate. And it's the state of Montana's job to be making decisions that center that need and that right that we all have.
0: So if folks are listening and and, uh, want to get involved, there is a group in Helena that's called the Creation Advocacy Network. It's uh, spearheaded by a group at St. Paul's Methodist Church, Uh, but they have a website, Creation Advocacy Network, and they have a link to this event tonight here in Helena at 6 p.m. at the library. It's gonna be an in-person event with two of the lawyers who are involved in that are representing the young uh, people in that case but it's also going to be available via zoom so um it's it's my hunch is that it's also going to be a recorded zoom so that people can come back to it later but it's um it's very impressive to to see so many young people involved Um, one of the episodes of our podcast that we haven't been able to pull off yet is is going to be an interview with Nick Engelfried. I'm not sure if you uh, know Nick. Okay. He was an environmental student, he was a student in the environmental studies program at the University of Montana. He's now in Washington, but has a new book out uh, talking about youth climate activism. And and after the legislative session, we're going to be talking with Nick Engelfried about uh, all the efforts that he's been involved in. And one of his main efforts was uh, stopping at the coal train exports to the west coast so i want to you know say we have some really good guests besides carrie kimball and others that we've had who are still in the works for this podcast series which we will continue after the legislative session
1: well i'm glad to hear that because there will still be work to do after this session um you know we're gonna we're looking at many legislative proposals that are working their way through this process that, frankly, we believe are unconstitutional. And so there will be repercussions for that, you know, potential legal challenges to bad bills that do make their way through the process. Um, You know, another thing that we're tracking really closely is uh, just Northwestern Energy corporate accountability in general. I don't know if you followed them much, but there were a series of hearings in the last couple of weeks about Northwestern Energy's latest rate increase that they've proposed. Um, So the Public Service Commission had some hearings related to that, and that's going to be a 28% increase over their uh, previous residential rates that they had last year. So that's um, a real doozy. And, uh, you know, most of that money that would be coming out of our pockets would be going to Northwestern Energy so that they can build gas plants and buy more of the coal strip coal fire power plant is what we anticipate so um, have have some attention paid there and then Northwestern Energy will be releasing their integrated resource plan at the end of this month which will theoretically outline how they intend to source their power for the next 20 years. And the latest versions of that plan that we've seen are similarly gas and coal investments rather than renewable uh, energy, rather than efficiency upgrades, rather than storage. Um, So we're really concerned about where Montana's electricity is coming from and how we can move the needle on that issue.
0: So, in terms of upcoming events and 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 campaigns that MEIC and other environmental organizations might be involved in, we've got certainly that Northwest Energy Plan, and I imagine that there's going to be opportunity for for additional comment and and maybe protest protest actions. Is there something in the works there that we should know about, or if we want to get involved in in uh, cutting the uh, uh, Actions of Northwest Energy out from this, this disastrous past, which is making profits for some be, somebody, but taking more money out of the uh, hard-earned uh, dollars from our moderate-income families in Montana. I talked to a friend just uh, yesterday who said that her 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 Northwest Energy bill has shot up by 150 bucks just recently, and she doesn't have that kind of money. Are there other campaigns that you can tell us about, or are there campaigns in the in the works to uh, counteract these Northwest Energy, uh, uh, what, destructive actions?
1: Yeah, yeah. So as I mentioned, Northwestern Energy will release their the latest draft of their integrated resource plan later this month, and we'll you know. Take some time to really dig in there, see what all is included. And then um, the Public Service Commission will mostly have, most likely have a series of public hearings where they're soliciting kind of feedback on that plan. Um, and in response to the plan, the PSE doesn't approve or deny the IRP necessarily. What they'll do is respond to it either with perhaps critical feedback, uh, which is what We hope they'll give if it's all new fossil fuel investments and no new renewables Um, and uh, the hope is that down the road if northwestern energy tries to base their decision to invest in fossil fuels on an irp that was received with critical feedback that can make it easier for us to um, press the psc to deny northwestern energy um, the ability to recover costs from folks so that they can invest in fossil fuel investments um yeah so those hearings would likely be sometime this summer it would be fantastic if we could get montanans to turn out to those and really you know make the case for how people can't afford another 150 dollars a month there are montanans on limited income who are already stretched thin because of inflation and um there are really good economic cases to be made for renewables on top of you know the, the climate change argument as well. Um, yeah, so the the IRP is going to be a really important uh, thing that we're working on in the coming months for sure.
0: Just along the lines of upcoming things, one of the things that is not an upcoming thing, but a recent report from the United Nations um, group that is reporting on on uh, climate change and climate crisis and cr- climate emergencies. Um, what what are your thoughts and MEIC's you know discussion about the urgency of of action? You know, not two two years from now, but not three years from now, but in the very near future. Uh, what's the perception there within MEIC about how? Um, dangerous situation we're in because we've got Northwestern Energy, which seems to not have done its homework on on climate change and on coal. Or if they've done their homework, they've decided to put the homework in their back pocket along with the dollars that they're making that way. What's, you, what's your thought about uh, the urgency of the climate crisis?
1: Well, I think you and I are in agreement that it is very urgent. Um, yeah, we need to. Get off fossil fuels immediately and one thing that came to light during the rate case hearings in front of the psc just in the last couple weeks is that um, some of the top executives at northwestern energy including the individual who leads up the department that identifies the resources that northwestern energy will be using to supply energy doesn't totally believe that climate change is caused by human actions. So I'm. Well, as said, uh,
0: a couple thousand years ago, when Plato wrote his uh, book *The Republic*, he said, uh, "What is ignorance? It's evil. What is evil? He said it's basically ignorance. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not that somehow uh, human beings are naturally uh, uh, greedy and evil, but um, they're not naturally knowledgeable." <laughs> And so ignorance has to play a part in this, but- um, And
1: that's the thing is that Northwestern Energy is a very big, very wealthy company. And if they decided to invest in renewables, you know, they have a very talented staff by and large. If that staff had leadership that was urging them to find ways to meet the Montana need for electricity with renewables and efficiency upgrades and storage, they would very much be able to do it. And we just aren't seeing that leadership from the top at Northwestern Energy. Um, And it's really unfortunate. They have incredible power and privilege in this moment. And we're just not seeing them wield it with any sense of responsibility or urgency for this climate crisis
0: is there anything hopeful as far as uh, northwest energy or is it simply that we'll have to oppose them uh, protest against them and find ways to undermine their uh, their greed or their their uh, simply re- refusal to deal with the fact that we need to get rid of coal as a as a source of energy because of the climate crisis hmm. is
1: there anything hopeful i mean Honestly, the economics are on our side, you know, like I said, part of the reason two of the coal strip units went offline was because of the economics. And with the Inflation Reduction Act, there are so many opportunities, if we can just pressure leadership to take them up, um, to start investing in renewables in a way that could really have a big impact both for our climate and Um, for bringing jobs and economic benefit to the state of Montana. Like I said, we are top ranked in the nation for our wind potential. Um, We're leaving a lot of money and a lot of opportunity on the table if we pretend that coal is the way we're going to keep powering our state and our economy. Um, And so in a state where Economics are going to be the primary rationale for a lot of the conservative decision makers. Uh, we do have the economics on our side to to decarbonize in that sense.
0: Yeah, those arguments uh, are not just for people who are who have always con- been concerned about the environment or who grew up in the time since the 1972 Constitution. You know, had the vision that we have a right to a clean and and healthy environment. Um but um, the economics is on the side of those who 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 are fighting for climate justice and, and a climate future that, that moves away from fossil fuels. Uh, apparently some people who are maybe even looking at the economics are gonna to have to wake up pretty soon to the to the realities that what they're proposing for Northwest energy is not economically sound much less uh, environmentally and ethically sound. Say that as a person who has uh, been in the environmental movement for a long time and has, you know, taught some environmental studies back in the previous life when I was uh, teaching uh, before I got involved in working for state government. And now I'm retired. but um, there are lots of uh, people who are saying that, you know, there there are information sources that we can all trust, but apparently, according to an MSU uh, survey from a couple of years ago, most uh, Republicans in Montana get their fo- news from Fox Fox News, and I would say that, you know, if you want to dig yourself into a hole of ignorance, that would be a place to put your head. Go to Fox News. What would you say are besides going to the MEIC website would be some good sources of information and for study, serious study, so that people can say well, now I'm, you know, I, I know how to counter these, these, uh, these arguments based on ignorance or, or, or greed. What are some of the, the best sources for uh, environmental information besides uh, MEIC that yeah. you would uh, recommend folks to take a look at and, and dig into?
1: Yeah, I think that we have mm. some really talented journalists in the state who are looking into these issues. Um, Montana Free Press, you know, is a great place to get information. Uh, we see really great articles in the, you know, in the Lee newspapers like the Gazette and the Helena IR. Um Hmm. other places to get information on environmental issues in particular, or?
0: Yes, on on environmental issues in particular. particular.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and there are other organizations in the state who are doing fantastic work that, uh, you know, MEIC, we've got our focus and our area of expertise, but there are other organizations like um, Montana Wildlife Federation, Montana Conservation Voters, who often have a bit more of a habitat or land, water, wildlife kind of focus. Um, They often have really great information about issues that are more uh, centered on those things. Um, Yeah, I think uh, 350 Montana and Sierra Club are groups that you've worked with in the past who also have really bright people who are doing good work. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm certain that I'm missing. Well, I I, I think you
0: were, You probably just about to mention Northern Plains Resource Council as well. Uh, We had uh, Joni Kresich, who is the uh, current chair of uh, Northern Plains Resource Council as one of our earlier guests in this series. And at that time, we were focusing in on on the various challenges to the Montana Constitution. Mm -hmm. But Northern Plains Resource Council and MEIC, I know I've worked together uh, very closely on lots of issues.
1: Absolutely, yeah, they're fantastic partners. Um, yes,
0: they are. Yes, they and are.
1: both up at the Capitol and then, you know, on so many other issues all across the state. So super grateful for their leadership as well.
0: I can remember, I'm not sure about how many years ago this was, but a group of us, both from Northern Plains Resource Council and its local chapters, Sleeping Giant Citizens Council, as well as Ann Hedges and others from MEIC. Uh, traveled down to Billings to testify uh, against uh, or testify against something. Yes, but it was also just to testify about the um, United States government's uh, lousy policies on on uh, giving leases to for oil and and gas. So that I know that all these groups, you know, um, have worked together and right here from Helena and the Sleeping Giant Citizens Council, of course, is a local chapter of the Northern Plains Resource Council.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Well, Carrie, uh, I wanna give you a chance to wrap up your your thoughts and and comments here uh, by saying whatever you'd like to say in addition about MEIC, uh, what your fondest hopes are for taking action and how people can uh, link up with uh, MEIC Uh, for future activities that will help to preserve and protect our environment.
1: Awesome. Well, just want to say thank you again so much for the opportunity to visit about what we have going on. Um, We're going to be having a celebration in the Bitterroot on September 16th to celebrate our 50th anniversary. So if folks want to come out and dance to some bluegrass and hear the president of Earth Justice, Abby Dillon speak along with some other folks. Um, It's gonna be a really fun time. So people should uh, join our email list if they wanna know when tickets go on sale and also if they just wanna be connected with other moments um, when we can speak up and make our voices heard. Whether it's for, you know, these hearings that are going to be in front of the PSC for the integrated resource plan, Um, there are probably going to be some opportunities to speak up about mercury and air toxics rules, which sounds kind of esoteric, but has big implications for um, fossil fuel generating plants in the state. Yeah, those are kind of the big ones, and also just our overall framework for environmental protection in the state and how that's being implemented. We'd love to stay in touch with people, connect them with opportunities to speak up, and uh, let them know what else is going on in the state.
0: So, what are the easiest ways for people to get on that email list? Um,
1: Yeah, I would say go go to our website, meic org uh, I think there's a take action button right at the top of the page or I think you can scroll to the bottom and there's a sign up for our activist email list link that people can click on to join us there and learn more.
0: And of course uh, meRC's Facebook page can link you to that as well, but uh, you're posting so, things on the Facebook uh, uh, all the time.
1: Yep, um, we're on Twitter and Instagram as well. So people can follow along on their favorite social media platform.
0: So there are lots of ways to, to get linked up with MEIC. Um, and I encourage everyone to, to do that because it is an organization that is being, uh, protecting Montana's citizens' uh, right to a healthy environment for a long, long time, 50 years now. Uh, and uh, we're very thankful that MEIC has been in our lives. So, Carrie Kimball, MEIC Executive Director, I want to thank you very much for being part of the DSA podcast. Um, As I said, we have uh, an upcoming podcast with Representative Zoe Zephyr later this week, and upcoming um, additional podcasts with lots of interesting guests that will be there. So, if you uh, are trying to find more uh, podcasts, and you found this one, I'm sure you'll be able to find more podcasts, but just just uh, do a, a web search for Montana DSA Podcasts, Democratic Socialists of America. Carrie, I want to thank you again for being with us today and for giving us your uh, time and insights. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you.